Hey there, welcome to Walking Alongside Perspectives, a combination of short monopods as well as some conversations with cool folks covering various topics based on what is going on in the world, focusing on the broader theme of perspectives. As Friedrich Nietzsche said, there are no facts, only interpretations. So let's get into it with this episode. Thanks for being here. It's that time of year when people start shifting gears from gardening and planting and mowing the grass to getting ready for Halloween and maybe even trying to time it just right to putting up the Christmas lights before it's minus 20 plus a wind chill. Over the years though, the Halloween decorators have really started giving the showdown for the best Christmas display on the block a run for their money. With all the inflatables, lights, ghoulish phantoms and reapers and giant spiders, you can really go to town for All Hallows Eve. I don't remember being super into Halloween as a kid, maybe because my parents didn't get it at all. I like the trick-or-treating part well enough, except that back then, it was the kind of Octobers that usually already had lots of snow and you needed to wear your snowsuit under your costume. And it was also the time when apples laced with razor blades and homemade popcorn balls were a thing, neither of which we were allowed to eat. The apples would become pie or crisp and the popcorn balls went into the bin, nine out of 10 being too rock hard to eat. Sort of like the Halloween kisses, which were another staple, which also invariably went into the bin because they were simply inedible. Side note, when they are fresh, they are actually, in my opinion, quite tasty. Anyway, decorating for Halloween back in the days of my childhood pretty much involved just carving a pumpkin, which we also never had. My parents acquiesced to handing out candy and getting my brother and I those costumes from the sand store or the local drug mart that were just a pirate or a princess or a Frankenstein pullover sheath thing with the matching plastic mask that just got all sweaty and moist and whose eye holes were too small and the elastic always pulled your hair out. And so as I got older, I didn't think much of the Halloween parties and all of that and that kind of minor disdain lasted for a good long portion of my adulthood. Chris was also not super into Halloween, so when we got married, we would often go so far as to just leaving out the bowl of candy and then getting out of Dodge for the evening. But when Daphne was born and they were 10 months old, I felt compelled to get a little warm and fuzzy costume so they would look cute sitting on the floor as we handed out candy. That first costume was a fuzzy ladybug and it was honestly so adorable. It actually made it into the calendar of Daphne's first year that Chris made, once and then never again. Not like my brother who was super committed and has been making an annual calendar of his family's adventures for the last at least 14 years, but I digress. When Daphne started being conscious of the different things going on during the year, and especially when they went to play school and started doing those seasonal activities like Valentine's, Easter, Halloween, we started to have to get some decorations every year. And so it became our annual pilgrimage to, dare I say it, the dollar store. We started with some happy bats and streamers with pumpkins in purple and orange and Halloween patio lanterns, and then we added some skull garden lamps, and we continued to add from there. Hands that reached out of the earth, tombstones, purple and orange string lights, gothic or medieval, I don't actually know the difference, fencing with chains, and that sort of thing. We tried putting up the fake spider web, but our resident squirrels took it off the trees and must have been using it for nesting materials. At first, we were baffled at what had happened to it because the first day after we'd put it up, most of it had just disappeared. But then we actually caught them in the act when we saw them scrambling up and down the tree and unraveling it and scampering off with it again. It was quite hilarious to see, and so clearly that was no longer an option. Then when we moved to Argyle, the bird bath ended up situated by the front porch. So Chris had the idea that we put red food coloring in the water and then we put severed plastic fingers in there. And we got one of those creaky motion activated things that in our case is books that slide out eerily and thunk back shut. Sadly though, I mean, not really, because we live on a circle that is sort of off the beaten path, which the other 364 days of the year is great. 
but at Halloween it sucks because we've always handed out pretty good candy, like the last two years, full-size chocolate bars and pops, hello, and we really try to make the house look fun yet spooky. You know the vibe I'm going for. So it's always really disappointing when we only get like eight or ten kids when our across the alley neighbors would get like 40 or 50 because they're on the main drag. Covid of course played a number on Halloween and it was so awesome to see the fun and inventive ways people distributed the candy. We set up a zip line to deliver candy to the waiting pools at the bottom of the steps and when we went out we saw all of the different tubes, plastic, cardboard, corrugated steel attached to railings that jettison the treats into the pillowcases and our creative across the alley neighbor, the same one that gets literally five times the kids trick-or-treating, had rigged up a remote control ghost that skimmed from the house to the sidewalk and then deposited the candy in their bags, provided they stood in the right place on the X on the sidewalk and positioned their bag or pillowcase or whatever just so. It was awesome. I think it might have been inspired by the desire to still make Halloween fun during those COVID years that the decorations game really started amping up. And now it's just a hoot to walk around and see how much effort people will still go to to get ready for the spookiest of nights. Even when we had our severed finger birdbath soup, a headless dude in a Muskoka chair, the strings of orange and purple lights, the jack-o'-lanterns, and the rest of the display setup, we just can't compete with the other folks who, I think, really just live for Halloween. There's always been a handful of places, usually five or six here in Argyle, that really got into things around Halloween with homemade tombstones, with punny Halloween sayings, or all of the blow-ups you can get now. But this year, there have been some real standouts. Of those, three are primarily the inflatables of lights, which admittedly look really good. They've got ghostly lights swirling on the house, and then the reapers are giant spiders with the psychedelic eyes. They're all really cool. And one house has electric fencing that's like motion activated, and it's honestly super rad. Did I really just say really rad? Oh boy. Anyway, the other two houses though, they are the real deal. There's body parts strewn about the yard, there's super creepy zombies sitting around or hanging from trees, and my absolute favorite house, which actually did scare the crap out of me one morning when I was walking Luna, well, it had been a work in progress and it was constantly changing, like a diorama that the person who was putting together just couldn't decide. So things got placed and rearranged and cleared out and put back until I guess they figured they got it just right. So now there's this giant web from the house to about halfway the middle of the yard, two coffins on opposite sides of the path with things that are trying to escape, lights and sound effects and other dead things hanging from the house and the biggest, hairiest spider right near the front sidewalk. So that one morning, I noticed in the dark that the whole yard was really kitted out now. And I was watching Luna as she sniffed the body parts on the lawn and thought it was funny till something spooked her, which spooked me. And as I was busy looking back at her, I didn't realize I was walking backwards and ended up walking to another giant hairy set of spider legs, which were hanging from the boulevard tree. So I walked into it backwards, screamed as they all brushed my head and face, turned to get away from it to come face to face with a giant terrifying clown face pinned to the tree, shrieked again, and then laughed as I realized that the setup had worked perfectly. There was also a green plastic mat where you're supposed to put your feet, so I figured, why not? I've already made a fool out of myself anyway. And so the other giant spider sprang into action, eyes flashing, mandibles gnashing, once again scaring the dog. It was truly awesome. If there were prizes for Halloween decorations, this house would win. In Argyle, anyway. At work, on my requisite walks to clear my head and get the blood flowing to the nether regions, I also got to peruse the handiwork there. The bonus of being a health promoter, you get to go for activity breaks and no one bats an eye. 
Anyway, my favorite ones there are the ones that have an entire Chucky-inspired collection of creepy decapitated or amputated dolls pushing carriages, hanging from trees, or just gazing at you. And the other one, the other yard that's awesome, has a sign around the perimeter cordoned off with police tape that says, beware of, well, just beware. And here too, there's an assortment of all manner of chainsaw massacre-esque bodies and detritus. Basically, it's just fun to walk around neighborhoods or drive down streets and notice the fun ways people are celebrating the season. Even if it's a season I'm really only mediocrely excited about. Not sure that's a word, but hopefully you're picking up what I'm putting down. Anyway, I think that the fact that people go whole hog for these things is super cool. And clearly people like the spectator sport aspect of it too, because otherwise those shows that put the spotlight on the competitions for Christmas or other seasonal displays that have sprung up as part of the reality TV lineup wouldn't be as popular as they are. The trick, I think, is that you need to be able to discern for yourself whether you are doing it because you love it and you want to push that creative boundary or because of some competitive itch you need to scratch. Or honestly, I guess it could be both. The last couple of years, we've had a Christmas light contest in Argyle, and because we were super excited to be able to put up Christmas lights here, as our house in Forest Heights didn't have an outside plug by the front door, a code omission that sadly we had to fix before we sold the house, we were like, okay, let's see what we can do. So as with the houses that decorated for Halloween, there were always those that really went to town at Christmas, and so we weren't surprised when the winners of that first contest were announced. But we were tickled that we got third place that first year. After that though, it felt that it had just become more and more like what can people do that's bigger and better and, and guaranteed to win. So the original intent was really just to encourage more people to decorate. And that aspect of it felt like it sort of evaporated because the stakes just got too high. Interestingly, with Halloween, there's never been a contest and the yards and decorations just keep getting more and more interesting and innovative, which I think is my point. It has to be the spirit of the season that moves you. It needs to be something that you love and have fun doing and that allows you to push those creative limits to see what else you can do to take it to that next level, ideally without falling off the roof or electrocuting yourself. To that end, the focus for this year's Argyle Christmas event is going to be just about encouraging people to put up whatever string of lights or holiday wreath or whatever to make the neighborhood more festive, to bring some light and cheer to passers-by and help us to feel the warmth and glow of community. No prizes, no bragging rights, just a desire to be a part of something bigger, something that is meant to have a positive impact at a time when we all really need a little more positivity. In the meantime, it's Halloween weekend and we're going to be back to being the folks that leave the candy on the stoop this year. Chris got us tickets to see the Phantom of the Opera at the Windspear with the music of that silent movie classic played by our very own Edmonton Symphony Orchestra. I'll still walk Luna in her little witch costume before we go and Daphne and a friend are going out for one last kick at the trick-or-treating can. Grade 9, I think, is a reasonable cutoff. Daphne is dressing up in a costume that we've used in the past but that they've modified to be a character of their own design from a book or story or some series that they've been working on. The character's name is Aster, if you're wondering. They're a bird creature, so it involves a long brown wig, a feathery shirt, and a winged cape and felt hat as part of the mix. So if you open the door and see this strange specter on your front step, it might be my kiddo. Based on the effort that went into making their costume, I would say that treats are definitely in order. So whatever you choose to do this year, I hope you all have a very happy Halloween. And if you're going to put up Christmas lights, you might want to think about getting that done sooner than later.
Thanks for listening. If you have ideas for a topic or even better, a perspective to share, I would love to hear them and share them, ideally in a conversation with you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and throw a comment my way or share with friends. For better or for worse, we're all in this together. We have exactly one world to share, so let's make it the best one it can be. Until next time, take good care. Ciao for now.